This is Consider It, where we are considering questions regarding life, theology, and the church. Consider It is a ministry of Redemption Bible Church of New Braunfels, Texas. Do you have questions regarding life, theology, or the church? If so, text the word REDEMPTION and your question to 830-299-7505. Again, that's 830-299-7505, and we will consider your question. To learn more about our church and our ministry here, visit redemption.bible. I'm Michael Hawkins. And I'm Blair Cushman. Let's consider it. The Bible seems to teach a truth that is two sides to the same coin, that all who persevere to the end will be saved, and all who are saved will persevere to the end. Today's podcast tackles that dynamic. Welcome back to Consider It. We have another question. Today's question is, we know from Scripture that we have assurance of salvation and cannot lose it. So who is Hebrews 6 talking about and how should we view it in light of this? Mm, I like this question. It's really actually two questions. You know, so whoever submitted this question is getting two for the price of one today. <laughs> Um, That's right. Or, well, I guess it's I guess it's really one question, but there's an assumption in that first part that we know from Scripture that we have assurance of salvation and cannot lose it, um, and that is leading or informing the understanding of this Hebrews six. I'm assuming particular Hebrews six verses four through six, but um, but I, but I like this and I think it's a good and helpful one. It is one of those common uh, debates. Uh, about interpretation, uh, especially amongst uh, people of varying theological uh, positions. And so um, I would agree with that first statement. We know that Scripture teaches the assurance of salvation and cannot lose it, but I think it would be helpful for us on our uh, uh, on the podcast today to actually like, just talk about that. Do we know that? Maybe somebody's listening and you're like, but does it? I'm yeah. not convinced of that. Yeah, Can how, I be how sure? How do we know? Yeah, how do we know this? Uh, are we actually, um, and there, well, there's kind of like, even in that, we're, we're, I'm being a little bit nitpicky here, but there's two, two actually theological doctrines in that first statement. Not losing our salvation is the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, that we can't lose it. Right. And then the assurance of the salvation is actually then the, our response to that. We can be assured of this. And so, how do we know these things that we can't lose our salvation? Well, it really comes from the lips of Jesus, right? Um, yeah. First, Jesus uh, uh, himself assures us that we can't lose our salvation. In John chapter 10, um, he says that no one can snatch uh, any or his children, if you will. No one can snatch them out of his uh, hands, right? Yeah. Um, just John 10, verse 28, he says, I give them eternal life. Well, let me back up to verse 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Yeah. I mean, there we have the guarantee of, of Jesus. You know, <laughs> he's the one who saves us. You know, salvation begins with him, and and then we have this confidence that we will make it to the end. Why? Because... 
no one is going to snatch him out. Like Jesus clutch, you know, you yeah. just have this like his grip is so strong and nobody can pry his fingers open. I, I love uh, this. In, in verse 15, it says, even as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Right. Yeah. And so we have his seal, his life, his blood that promises that for us. Right, right, right. And, and just jumping back down, like it, it goes on, not only in Christ, but he says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like that's like God the father has given these sheep, the redeemed or the elect, the, the you know, the, the, the ones whom Christ died for. These are the ones that, the, you know, the scripture talks about. Like the father has given them. Christ has them. No one can snatch them out of the, his, out of the, uh, Christ's hands. But then he goes on and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. And I and the father are one. And so there's just, you know, Christ's claiming of his deity. Some would say like, oh, Jesus didn't claim to be God. He didn't know. Well, there you have it, John 10, 30. He uh, actually does. And it's in the context of, of this. So Christ is guaranteeing this. Um, no one will uh, be snatched out of his hands. Uh, the Apostle Paul picks up on this same truth in, in uh, Acts, or not Acts, uh, Romans. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. So I'm trying to say Romans chapter eight in that great passage, eight, uh, 29 for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and those whom he predestined. He also called and those whom he called, he also justified and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Yeah. And so many refer to that passage there in Romans 8, 29 and 30 as like the golden chain of salvation. Yeah. Right? Uh, all these are like completed actions starting from the predestination to our calling. That's our like a regeneration when God calls us from death to life. Uh, justification, our legal standing where we're declared right with God because of Christ. All these things done, but also like our glorification, our future in heaven with uh, Christ is already certain. It's like a done deal, package deal. You it know, it's is not, finished. You're right. It is. It's all finished. It's all been won. There's not like, well, you got on the train, but you can get off. And, you know, the whole, uh, the rest of the chapter kind of yeah. um, plays all this out in the love of God that saves yeah. us. And I think it's so awesome just, to, you know, you see, he foreknew. Yeah. He predestined. Right. Yeah. He right. called. He justified. And so right. we see that it is the work of God yeah. um, that has done this. And so therefore, you know, it's, it's something that has been given, right. right? It's it's all things that he has done right. and it hasn't fallen on us. Right. He starts the work and he finishes yeah. the work and he does it all out of love. That's what the rest of Romans 8 begins to to bring out then is it's, no, it's, it's well, like back to John 3, you know, it's in love that he saved us and it's in love that will keep us. Yeah. As Romans 8 comes to the end, you know, that uh, he lists out all these things on heaven and on earth. You know, he is sure that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, uh, our Lord. Unable. Everything is unable to separate us from the love of God. Amen to that. It's like nada. And so... So there we do. Like, you know, it was like, yes, and, you know, coming back to the, the, the submitted question, yes, we do believe this. The Bible teaches it straight from Jesus, Apostle Paul's teaching here. Um, and that should then give us assurance. Like, 
we, we can know that then, um, and we can live in light of it. Uh, in First John, he says he's written these things that we might know, uh, that we might know that we are, uh, are saved. And uh, um, I just, I, I love that, you know, like there's no, uh, uh, there's no like question about it. You know, we don't have to go through life of like wondering, well, man, God's good graces today. Yeah. Yeah. Have I done enough good things to, you know, to, to stay saved, to keep his love and his affection and his attention upon me? No, we can know that. And yeah. so we're, we're assured of that. And how, do, how we're assured of that then is that because there's been a change in us, right? Right. Like that's people ask the question, well, how can I know that I'm saved? It really then comes back, well, have you confessed Christ as your Savior and Lord? Yeah. Yeah. Have your desires changed in regards to how you view sin? Now where you once loved your sin, mm-hmm. do you hate it? You know, not that it just has automatically gone away, but do you, you know, love Christ and hate your sin and now you are at war, you're battling your sin, you're not at peace with it. Yeah, I think, you know, Galatians paints a you know, a perfect picture yeah. of that, yeah. showing us what our hearts desired previously right. and then going into the fruit of the spirit and, right. and the change the dynamic that that we loved the things of this world yeah and that you know do our desires reflect this change of the fruit of the spirit do right. we desire to be more patient to be more kind right right because yeah. that's really the other side of it like our, our our thinking and our affections and our action change in relationship to our sin we hate it we're at battle with our sin yeah. but then what you're getting to then i think so key then is also then in what we do and what we love yeah now we are walking in the spirit and characteristic of us then are the fruits of the spirit love joy peace patience goodness gentleness Kindness. Kindness and self-control, self-control, right? Those are all the fruits. And, and many more things. We're presenting our bodies now to God as, you know, as instruments of righteousness. Yeah. And so all of that is changing. Our habits are beginning to change. We are now a people that are driven to worship and walk and work for Christ. Right. You know, I, I, I saw a quote just the other day that was, was so, uh, I, I think, helpful. It was a little pointed, but it was, but it was very good. He's, and, um, it's like a tweet or something like that, but it's like, you know, we don't have, we, we don't need to convince Christians who are healthy, growing and walking with Christ to come to church, you know, yeah. or to walk, to read their Bibles, mm. to do those things. Like there's a struggle, sure, do we encourage, but we don't have to like convince or coerce people yeah. because genuine believers are going to, like, that's what they want. They want to be around other believers. Yeah. You know, worshipers worship God. Yeah. Runners, they got to run. Hunters, they gotta hunt. Swimmers gotta swim. Worshippers gotta worship. You know, um, we 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 want to walk with Christ. Nobody needs to convince us to it. No, we yeah. need encouragement. We need a motivation. That's not just to say that all every day is just this like high passionate you know pursuit uh, day. However, there's no like convincing that this is important or necessary. To yeah, and yeah, I I see that even in, like in the counseling, yeah. um, you know, those who recognize a struggle and come to me willingly. Yeah. Like the process is so much easier than those who are kind of, you know, forced to or reluctant to come. Right. You know, it's just, it's a longer process. It's a harder process. And right. so, you know, those that, that have this genuine faith are, are recognizing their need for change and their really, right. their desire and their, right. um, their accountability to the Lord for that. And right. so it just, 
There's right. a big difference right. in, in those cases. For sure. And see, all these, you know, just kind of come back to the, the point we're making is all of these are evidences that we are genuinely saved. Yeah. We have a change of heart. All these, the way that we speak, who we confess as our Lord and Savior, we are confessing Christ and Christ alone. Yeah. And then it comes out in how we think, speak, and feel, and act in Christ. But there's another way that that the Bible teaches as well that we can know that we are saved and it's that we persevere through our trials. Right. When the storms of life, which they come to everybody. We live in a sin-corrupted world. Yeah. There's no disputing that. And when we walk through those, do we continue in the faith or do we abandon the faith? Hard things happen, do we curse God or do we bless God? Do we turn from God or do we trust God? Yeah. And that there is like the you know, kind of the, the quintessential test for am I a Christian? When the right. going gets tough, doesn't mean that we don't have doubts. Right. Don't mean that we that, that we can't ask God questions. Doesn't mean that you know that we are we don't wrestle with our faith. Right. But in the end, we continue on. And that number one there is really how we know and can know then that we're saved. Um, when we walk through that, and I think just to kind of bring the question around now, all of this understanding then about the perseverance of God's people, the assurance that we have, the fruits then that are demonstrated in a believer's life affect then how we view Hebrews 6, mm. right? Yeah. Like it's, it, we have to come to the scriptures with a fuller understanding of the whole counsel of God uh, when we come to a passage like Hebrews 6 that seems to be a little uh, ambiguous. Yeah. Uh, that that presents some interpretive challenges. You know, one of the biggest dangers that we can do is like isolate a text from the rest <laughs> of the scripture. Right. We can make the Bible say all kinds of things when we do that. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the the Zondervan Study Bible here, yeah. and you know, even in the notes, it talks about there are you know three common interpretations, yeah. um, and recognizes the difficulty to interpret this passage. And it says that the first one, um, that, that this passage refers to Christians who are actually losing their salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, the second is, it is a hypothetical argument to warn immature Hebrew Christians that they must progress to maturity. Huh. Or three, it refers to professing Christians whose apostasy proves that their faith was not genuine. Yeah. I think that's a great summary of the kind of the three common ways, you know, that this passage is. So if you're unfamiliar with it, let me just actually read Hebrews uh, 4, 5, or Hebrews 6, verses 4, 5, and 6, uh, so, you, so you can kind of understand here if you're unfamiliar with it. But it, it says this, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God, and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away... To restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. And so that, like if you kind of pluck it out of the rest of our understanding of Scripture, you can kind of understand why there's <laughs> yeah. multiple, like, so, what do we make oh, of this? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. 
what do I make this? Because it's pretty pretty severe language, yeah. right? It's it is whatever it is, it is a warning. You know, yeah. this is speaking of Christians who lose their salvation, hypothetical spot, or those who are never truly uh, regenerate. It it is a warning passage, which Hebrews actually has many uh, in in here. And yeah. one thing to just understand about the book of Hebrews as well is kind of the underlying premise here in this book is that Jesus is better. Yes. Jesus is supreme, and so the writer of Hebrews over and over and over is just going to show that Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than uh, Abraham. Jesus is better than Melchizedek. The, you know, Jesus and the New Covenant better than the Old Covenant and all that. Just like over and over and over again, Jesus is better. Yeah. He's more better. <laughs> more better. And that's what's also in this, this passage here. Kind of the 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 insufficiencies of the old covenant is kind of the context here, and yeah. now saying, but in, in Christ, the new covenant is 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 supreme. Yeah, and you see it's that better. in verses one and two there. Right, right. And so if we were to kind of uh, zoom out a little bit, I think that would make more sense. But it's in that context then that these verses are plucked into, or uh, you know, are are, are warned um, where we're warned about. And so what is it, what's it getting at here? Um, And so I think because the theological foundation, we go back to the three interpretive things that you laid out here. If we go back to our, well, our theological foundations, you know, and we haven't done an exhaustive, you know, study in this podcast here. There's many more books that we can refer you to and all that. But I think you get our leanings. We can outright reject that first option. Yep. Yeah, this is speaking of somebody who's lost their salvation. The bulk of Scripture, the very clear passages from the words of Jesus himself, uh, uh, teach us that it is impossible to lose your salvation. Yeah. And so we can reject that here. Now it's, now, it's good because, like, you know, things can seem to be contradictory. You know, yeah. as people come to the Bible, you know, you maybe hear others that will say, the Bible's full of contradictions, yeah. you know. There's historical inaccuracies. There, you know, it teaches you know things that that can't coexist or whatever. And without going into a whole nother you know <laughs> theological discourse on what we believe about the scriptures and the inerrancy and the and the insufficiency of scriptures is that we do also believe the clarity and the consistency of scripture because of their inerrancy because it comes from God, who you know inspired the Word of God. We believe there are no. Uh, inconsistencies or contradictions right. of of massive uh, significance, yeah. and everything. Uh, I, I mean, and not that I'm an expert on the Bible, but I can honestly say, in all my years, twenty plus years of studying the Scripture, any time that I've presented been presented with a contradiction, there is an explanation for it, a, a sufficient explanation. Right. Um, and so, if you have something and you're wondering or curious, like by all means, let's research the Scriptures together, and I'm sure we can come to. Uh, uh, come to some sort of understanding about it. Yeah, I think it's important that we recognize that yeah. when it does seem like it's a contradiction, that right. it's not a problem with the Scripture. It's a problem with our understanding and our ability to comprehend you know, two different truths. Right, um, right, 100%, yeah. 100%. The problem is not with Scripture. It's our ability to understand. Yeah. And that's that. just that humble 
uh, position that you have described is really what we have to come to. Because yeah. like we are not the arbiters of all things true and right. right. Like, we don't have full understanding. Our ability to reason and rationalize and understand is not the you know the the supreme thing in this in yeah. this world. Well, even if you just think about our own experience in yeah. life, it's so minimal and right. so minute and right. in the course of history, in the course of just what's right. going on yeah. in the universe today, like right. to say that we can base yeah. you know, or we can kind of read scripture through our experience and yeah. say that it's right, like right. it's just insane. Yeah. Right, right. It's it's not so anyway, just to kind of come back to that, we can reject then that first notion that this is speaking of because the rest of scripture clearly teaches that's not uh, possible. And so where do we come back here? Well, I think there's some merit to that second, that this is a hypothetical situation uh, or a hypothetical warning to immature believers to uh, continue growing in the faith. And the context, I think, could actually support some of that because there's, uh, you know, like, hey, you need to be moving on past just the the milk, the baby milk of Scripture and into the meat of things. Um, And so I think there's some applicational merit to that, that we who believe the perseverance of the saints, we who, you know, have the assurance of our salvation to know like, hey, we can't just be coasting. Yeah. You know, like we, we need to continue to persevere. It's not just like, okay, I'm saved. I've got my insurance. Nothing bad can happen to me. Now I can live however I want. Right. And I think that going back even to the, the fruit of the spirit versus the deeds of the flesh, yep. you know, it's like, okay, which, which of these are exposing themselves? Because, you know, scripture yeah. talks over and over about the matters of the heart and right. what's in the heart is what Right. is revealed right? right and so i think that um you know in light of this there, there can be that warning to say hey if you're claiming to be a believer and yep. yet you're not right. producing any fruit if you're not living it out if there hasn't been change yeah then you need to check yourself right 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 yeah and so it, it should it should be a motivation for us or a wake-up call yeah you know, if if we're thinking wrongly about our salvation sin, because but even that, then that's where I think that I don't think it's a hypothetical situation. Ultimately, right. I, well, I think there's some applicational merit, right. some yeah. good stuff there. But ultimately, if that's if we need those kind of things, they may be indi- indicative that maybe I'm not regenerate at all. Right. And this is like coming back to Romans six, and where Paul's like the argument is like. Well, hey, if you know grace abounds while I sin, like, well, shouldn't I just keep on sinning? And Paul's whole like, no, absolutely May not. Never be. Right. And to even think that way exposes something about your heart. Yeah. That you might be unregenerate, you yeah. know. And and that ultimately I think is what Hebrews six is getting at here and how we understand it. So how do we, you know, come back to the question, how do we view then this passage? is I think what he's getting at here is those, the goats among the sheep. Mm. You know, to come back to Jesus' example in in, uh, in John chapter 10, he calls us the sheep. You know, the sheep know my voice, the sheep hear my voice, and, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. But there is also this reality existed then. It exists in our churches even today in our own homes Absolutely. that there are goats those who are experiencing the blessings, who are sitting under the teaching of the Word of God, who are tasting these things, who could even pair it back to us gospel truths, and yet aren't truly regenerate. So close, and yet unregenerate. And that's really the language that is used here. What's interesting, I stand to be corrected here, but the language that is used in these verses are never used to describe someone who is truly saved. Hmm. 
it, it actually just describes those who, who are so close, like it, to, to be those who have once been enlightened. Like, no, we're not just enlightened. We're transformed. Yeah. This is speaking like of a mental ascent. Like I said, the people that can come and, and can who have been enlightened about Jesus, yeah. they know the, the truth that Jesus was the Son of God. They can uh, regurgitate uh, theological truths. You know, they've tasted the heavenly gift shared in the Holy Spirit. Like even this language, like we don't just we don't just share in it. No, we're partakers of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit yeah, indwells, indwells yeah. believers. Yeah. And this is like somebody who's you know who's who's just coming and sharing a meal. It's not their meal, but it's like, oh hey yeah, you're here. Well sure, I'm because I'm generous. Like I'm of course I'm going to share you know a bit of my stuff with you know this other person. Yeah. Um, I think we we see some of this even in the parable of the sower and mm-hmm. you know the warnings there yeah. about you know. As the the seeds are are scattered, some are going to to rise up and be choked out. Yeah. Um, some are going to rise up and then you know be scorched in the hot sun. Right. Kind of, yeah. And so, You're right. That's a, I mean that's just another great parable. Even talking back to the theological truth and how we know we're saved is like, <laughs> do we make it through? The sun comes up, life gets hard. Do we continue to uh, to flower even if we can, you know like. Uh, doesn't mean that we're unaffected by it, yeah. but we don't wither away and get choked out. Do we out. cling to that Second Corinthians, you know, four language of, of trusting that these momentary light afflictions are producing for us an eternal weight of glory? Right, right. And so these, you know, the, I, I think we have to have a category in our mind. We we're always like so black and white about things, yeah. but there's like, but there, but we have to like understand like no, there are goats, people that you know, like to even go on that have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. Yeah, they've they've tasted the communal blessings of, you know, sitting under the preaching of the Word of God, what it means to live in biblical community, and they've tasted all that stuff, but have never been consumed by it. Yeah, and they, and there's no like reciprocal language here that they have themselves taught the word of God that they have themselves you know um, uh, uh, shared these things with others. This is all just like those who are around it, yeah. who have been influenced by it, but not regenerate. Yeah, I I think about Galatians two twenty just in our conversation. It just comes back to me over and yeah. over, and it's like. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. Mm. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Yeah. Just that, that transformation is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And so I think as believers, we have that transformation language that you're talking about. We are indwelt with the Spirit. Right. The, the people we're talking about, they can't claim this truth right. and so they're around these truths they they understand it in their head right they understand that jesus died on the cross for sins right but it's it's saying that jesus christ died on the cross for my sins and that right. he is the lord of my, my life. life right yeah. that personal aspect yeah. uh, of it is all missing here yeah. and so the then that brings like this is the person that's talking about and then you know to Take the, the next step. It's impossible for them if they fall away, or in other words, they reject Christ, to then you know to restore them again to repentance. And so the the whole like argument here, and why it is kind of like a shock thing, is like from an earthly perspective, they have gotten all the blessings. Yeah. They've seen the truth. They've experienced the blessing of biblical community, mm-hmm. and now they're saying this isn't true. 
It's, 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 it's not true. Christ deserved to die. You know, that's like, like they're crucifying once again the Son of God. It's like, you know, in the same way that those who were actually there at the cross saying, no, like, send him to the cross. He's crazy outside his mind. In the same way that people do that today. No, yeah, I've seen whether they, you know, sure, okay, he's a real person. Like, how in, in any sane person can actually deny that Christ was actually like a real physical human being. Like, there's just too much, you know, historical yeah, evidence for that. Exactly. But yeah, no, he deserved to do that. He wasn't God. Like, yeah, he died just a regular common death. It's like, if they've had all of that, they, they've understood all the truth, and yet they come to that conclusion. It's, what this isn't saying is that it, God cannot save them because we know also from like the rest of scripture, like nobody is beyond the, the strong arm of the Lord. Yeah. But I think what it is getting at here is from a human perspective, from our sake and ministry sake and all that stuff, like we've done everything we possibly could yeah. to preach the truth, to invite them to experience biblical community. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to resort to some other gimmicks you know, to try to coerce them to understand, you know, to go all this, like they've had it all. They've said, I don't believe that, you know? And so it's, it's in the hands of the Lord to regenerate and save and do all things. We've done what we are called to do as faithful gospel ministers of uh, knowing, showing and uh, loving them in Christ. And yet they've still rejected it. And this, this is super sad, you know, like it should, The, the, we should read this as Christians and be grieved by it, you know, who know the true, genuine blessing of following yeah. Christ. So what do we do with this? Because I feel like I'm encountered with conversations like this often mm-hmm. with unbelievers. Like, yeah, I believe that Jesus lived. I believe that he was a, a, a good man and had sound teaching. And really, the, the things that he taught are helpful for just good human mm-hmm. living. And yeah. this may be a little bit off topic, but yeah. at the same time as, as these unbelievers are saying, Oh yeah, like Jesus' teaching was yeah. great. I just don't I don't believe that there's anything after this life or whatever. Sure. And so just Yeah, I mean it's a great question. Um and it may not be for today. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, I think there's some application here yeah. for, for the person saying that is one is just a challenge and say, I think you need to go back and read Jesus teaching here because this <laughs> right. isn't like just any other person on this earth, let alone any other supposed like religious yeah. leader. You know, the claims of Christ. I mean, he just claimed to be God, what we just saw in John 10. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we have to just kind of go back and challenge that just like, yeah, Jesus was a great guy. Like, no, 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 no. Like to truly fully understand what he said is is it's just beyond yeah he was a nice good guy or a good teacher. Yeah. There, there's so much more there, yeah. um, and so to just I think that's really where it begins is just a, a challenge at that, and then to challenge the response. Yeah. You know, I think you have a misunderstanding. You have a, actually a low too low view of what Jesus is teaching, yeah. and and then uh, and and then bring them to the place of response. And he said, in light of these things, you must take up your cross, you know, daily, deny yourself and follow me. Yeah. I guess um, it kind of comes down to the, the three L's of yeah, liar, Lewis, lunatic, or, right. or, or Lord. Lord. Right. Yeah. yeah. The only person like that, yeah, C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity, that, that classic <laughs> kind of apologetic there, to make the claims of Christ, he either was a, a liar about it. Yeah. He was either a lunatic, He you know, he's making these claims and just, you know, like, yeah, he... Maybe thought he said all this stuff, but he was just outside his mind. Yeah. 
or he was actually Lord. He was who he says he was. And that's ultimately what faith is. Like we say, yeah, Jesus is who he says he is, and he did what he said he do, and he's continuing to do that. And I think we have to bring people to uh, to that understanding, and and uh, you know, and, and be willing if they're open to doing it. It's just saying, hey, let's let's search the scriptures together. Let's yeah. go read about Christ, and they'll they'll do that. And, and I think I found just an application of this. I found that people are more willing to do that than we give them credit for. For sure, um, that people are interested in these things and yep. they are willing to. To talk about it, right. but I think as Christians, so often we're scared of stepping outside of our comfort zone or you right. know overstepping a boundary to offend or do something. Right. But and we never even give them the opportunity to engage in these conversations. Right. And so, just as a, a word of encouragement to right. to those listening, like right. step out and and trust right. that that people right. do right. like to talk about right. these things. And the common fears in that are people like, well, what if they ask a question I don't know the answer to? Yeah. Okay, you know, like then find out the answer together. Like yeah. you don't have to be intimidated by that. People yeah. ask me questions all the time. I don't know the answers to, and it's just another joy I get to do. Yeah. Or like the fear of like losing the relationship. Oh, this is a great friend. We connect over football and all those things. And if I enter this in, then man, I might risk losing the relationship. And yeah. it's like, well, like what's you know what's more important here? Yeah. You know, all that. So. Those are good, good, uh, good thoughts in there. But let's come back now to the just and kind of closing yep. to, uh, you know, back to the like for the Christian, then and back to this passage and back to these things. I think I hopefully think people have some resolution on. All right, here's who this is talking to, yeah. and yet as believers, we need to understand and, and kind of apply this in two ways. One, like let this be a motivation if you yeah. are, you know, right. to examine your heart, make sure you're in the faith. And that this is not just true. You're not just a goat amongst the sheep, but, you know, God, am I genuinely saved? Can I see those fruits of the Spirit in me? Are my desires aligning? Am I fighting against yeah. sin? And I think just asking those questions is a good sign, Yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> if right. you're examining your heart right. and asking these right. things, then right. that's encouraging. Right, right. Yeah, unbelievers don't ask these questions. Right. Those yeah. motivated by the Holy Spirit, you know, ask these kind of questions. Um, and so you're absolutely right. And and then second, let this also help, you know, guide your understanding about, you know, people in your life that maybe, you know, this whole like uh, deconstructing faith and all those things, you know, like here's, you know, this is an application of those things or people as they uh, walk out, of, walk away from the faith or whatever. Uh, some of this is at play and let this kind of give you. Uh, uh, an ability to understand what's going on in those situations, you know, from a theological and experiential uh, 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 perspective. So, um, but if you're in Christ, you know, then you can rest assured today. Like you can be at, uh, at peace in this life. Why? Because you're at peace with God and knowing that his love has been set upon you today. And uh, there's nothing that you can do to loves you fully and completely today. Thanks for tuning in to Consider It, where we are considering your questions regarding life, theology, and the church. Consider It is a ministry of Redemption Bible Church of New Braunfels, Texas. If you would like to submit a question, text the word redemption and your question to 830-299-7505. To learn more about our church and the ministry here, visit redemption.bible. Thank you for your support and listening. Join us next time as we consider it.